With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to another edition of Around the Coin, the premier podcast for all things banking, payments, and fintech. Here are your hosts, Mike Townsend, Brian Romley, and Faisal Khan. Welcome to another edition of Around the Coin. My name is Faisal Khan. I have Brian Romley with me. Mike couldn't be with us today. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Faisal. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. So the Pokemon fever, it's still going strong. Oh my gosh, yes it is. <laughs> and from what I hear, it is absolutely crazy out there. We are seeing videos of people uh, you know, maligning the Central Park in New York and just jumping up and up and down the roads here and there and really getting people out of their houses and, you know, is it a fad or is it going to go away? Well, you know, everything's a fad in my view. Uh, and uh, it, it has different uh, angles and trajectories, but everything becomes a fad. You know, everything other than eating uh, eating some food and... It's not going to last forever, right? No, but, no, but no. But is no. it going to be a fad that will, at least in your opinion, be there for a couple of years? Uh, I would say in some form or another, we'll see what is Pokemon Go continue for quite a long time, possibly many, many years. Um it's, it's my theory that uh, very quickly we're going to see a social network platform built on top of uh, Pokemon Go. Ostensibly, just like all other social platforms, it'll centralize on one particular arcane element. Snapchat was about ephemeral pictures that would go away very quickly. We know what those pictures generally were. It's no longer really that. Facebook was a hot or not site. If we remember what hot or not was, the Facebook was allowing you to rate pictures of whether somebody was cute or not. That's what Mark Zuckerberg made. Look what it is today. And uh, so it's not ridiculous to assume that a, a social network can, can be built on a game platform. And of course, initially, it's going to be talking about the game. But what do humans do uh, when they're socially connected? Uh, they, they talk about other things after a while. And I think that's, uh, you know, going to be a big element to this. 20 years in making, right? And suddenly it's, it, it's out there. Uh, many people can't differentiate if this is the version 1.0 of augmented reality, if it's going to be something that's going to juxtapose with the existing social media. And the growth is just phenomenal. Just give us a sense of the growth so people who are listening. Well, you know, it, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable from every metric you could use to try to uh, compare it to. I mean, it became the number one game in a matter of uh, minutes uh, after it was released. Uh, I think really when you look at it, it was about 75, 80 minutes. Uh, Apple has ordained it 
and this is old information, uh, meaning the, uh, almost two weeks ago, uh, the first week it was the largest selling, uh, the largest download app in the App Store history. And this all happened in the space of one week. That makes it extremely large. Uh, right now on the Android platform, more people use Pokemon than Gmail, than Google Search and Google Maps combined it was once wow. yeah it was once just more than google google maps but it's taken off so more combined daily active users as it exists today you know today sunday uh there are more daily active users of pokemon go than instagram uh twitter and snapchat combined Okay, it's getting very, very close to uh, impinging upon Facebook. On Facebook, it's had the deficit of removing about 27 minutes of Facebook usage per day. Uh, That's an immense amount of time when you consider this. As far as record breaking in uh, most recent record breaking in uh, the physical world, I have businesses that have been reporting to me 10, 20, 30,000 percent increase in sales over the same time last year or prior months. It's, it, it, there's almost no comparison. Just because, the tra- just because of the traffic they're bringing? The physical retail traffic are in and around their business. Some of the businesses actually are uh, uh, Pokemon uh, stops and poke stops. Literally some uh, elements. I have a, a, a good friend who has an Italian restaurant, and he's got a, a, a picture of the Pope on a horse. It's, uh, he's, uh, he's very religious, but the, there's a picture of the Pope on a horse that's uh, out kind of um, in his front window. It's been there for about five years. That became under the Ingress game. Uh, some, see, the, in, the, the map for Pokemon Go was built around a game called Ingress, developed by uh, Niantic uh, Labs, the same company that made Pokemon Go. And that's the underlying Pokestop and gyms uh, that users have uh, crowdsourced. So anyway, somebody took a picture of that, and another person did, and it became a Pokestop. And now you could sit in his restaurant and literally uh, set up lures, or and the owner actually sets up the lures, and you know dozens of uh, uh, poke, uh, Pokemon characters start coming into the store, and uh, people have been sitting for hours. Anyway, uh, he, so you can actually, as a business, you can buy these lures, right? Absolutely. I, I wrote a small booklet about it, uh, about how to do it. It's a, it's rather simple, but I I made a couple Which of step by steps. Which uh, is just for, for what's it called? And I believe it's available on Amazon on the Kindle, right? Uh yes. It's uh, just search my name. I think it's uh, the Pokemanda. Uh, go uh, for small business marketing is I think what I called it, and. You know, it's it's doing exceedingly well. But, you know, I, I got it out there because... You want, you want to tell us the numbers? Uh, it, it is beyond anything I could possibly imagine. At some point, I'm going to talk about it. I don't want to really go into actual numbers now, but they are bugging my eyes out, not just on the uh, Android platform. I've sold is it, it... Is it fair to say that you'll be visiting the Lamborghini showroom? Anytime soon? <laughs> just just on the sales of the book, perhaps. No, I don't know. It, 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 booklet... It, Perhaps it might get that way. I mean, it, I didn't expect it to get this big, but I've had so some. Ladies and gentlemen, if you see him driving down with a, you know, I, what was it? Uh, a Gallardo or one of the other ones, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you I know got, the book has done really good. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I was going to take off the horse on the front of the Lamborghini. I'm going to put this little uh, Pokemon character as, uh, as the ornament on the car to kind of show it out. Well, but, that'll work. 
But you know what really blew my mind is uh, some of the very large businesses that bought hundreds of copies. I had one uh, business negotiate uh, over 1,500 copies uh, on Friday with me. You know, obviously I gave it to them at a uh, discounted price, but they want to distribute it amongst all of the businesses that they're working with. I'm uh, on Monday. I'm talking to nine franchises I have now that I, I, I scheduled Monday to be that day just to knock them all off. Cause towards the end of the week, I had a lot of franchise companies call me and they want me to write a more enhanced book specific to their franchise, which I can do in about 10 minutes for each franchise. Cause I really understand what they do. And uh, they're going to distribute that. And that's going to be, an unlimited license of some of the ideas. Again, these ideas aren't mine. They're out there in the open. You can assemble them. I have some unique takes on them. So anyway, getting back to the power this has had, parks, right? In the United States, parks have over the last five years have seen a consistent dwindling of attendance. We're talking community parks, you know, national parks, all state parks, all types of parks. Pokemon has increased the traffic at some of these parks to such a level, security has to be called in to meter how many people are allowed in the area. Uh, just just in my area, we have a little park around a duck pond. And one night, there were so many people, the, the police were obviously monitoring this. There's no negative. It's all a very positive thing. The police, out of just fire code reasons, because there's just way too many people, not enough exits, had to start limiting they started limiting at a thousand people in this one small park. And there were families, we're talking grandmothers and grandfathers and grandchildren and kids on picnic blankets on into a summer evening, having picnics and playing Pokemon all together. It's quite unlike anything I've ever seen. So from a sociology standpoint, an, anthro- uh, an anthropology standpoint, we have quite an interesting phenomenon. Now, What's interesting also about this park is there's two food businesses that are adjacent to the park. One of the food businesses... And obviously people get hungry, they get thirsty, exactly. they want to have something to eat and drink. But let me ask you one thing. You know, uh, was this uh, the birds thing that came out a couple of years ago? A- crazy Angry birds. Bird. Yeah, Angry Birds. Angry Birds. There you go. That was absolutely crazy. Everyone was playing it. People were, you know, having fist fights because people were sending Angry Bird requests and so forth, <laughs> yeah. etc. But it's all gone. It's, it's all, all gone. gone. The, the only difference between that and this is this gets you out of your comfort zone, gets you out, go, go out. Go, you know, Angry Birds did not increase the business for any small business, right? No, it didn't. It and, didn't. This, and this is, this is. So, you know, I don't know, in many ways, Angry Angry Birds 2.0, if you will, the same, you know, euphoria. People are going out. People are getting out of the comfort zones, going out, trying to catch all these po- Pokemons, etc. Um, visiting stores and businesses, you know, having a candy or a soda or what have you. Uh, but again, the question is, is this just a fad? It's going to die down quickly before sure. Christmas? Or, or, or do you think it'll... Because even I, I understand that it's not fully launched everywhere in the world, right? It's just taking off, right? It, we're going, uh, Japan just opened up and McDonald's has an exclusive sponsorship for some of the poke, uh, poke stops and Pokemon gyms, uh, sometimes both, sometimes one. And uh, 
the McDonald's has done so well. Their stock is skyrocketing. It's being traded uh, at multiples never seen before for McDonald's Japan. But it, even more so, there are lines that are sometimes running a mile to two miles to get through the McDonald's so that you can sit down, have something to eat, and play a game. Now, they're not forcing you to do that, but the people are organizing themselves to do it. They know just out of respect not to just go inside the business or huddle around the business and play the game. They're actually going to attend and make, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, reward McDonald's. So it has a direct uh, correlation. So let me take the longer view. The entire Silicon Valley uh, VC world and startup world is in a existential crisis over Pokemon Go. And the reason being is that nobody predicted this would happen and nobody predicted it would happen without, you know, your classic founder story. Somebody in a hoodie that, you know, quit a university, worked hard 18 hours a day. Everybody loves those founder narratives. In fact, uh, so many VCs are so in love with that narrative, they are blinded by it unless you fit into that narrative you're done. I mean, this is a 20-year-old company that's making a comeback. Like right? This is like Rocky, right? Exactly. And, and, and not only that, we're also talking about the, the technology and the Nanatics labs that put this together. I mean, we're talking about a guy that uh, started the company called Keyhole, which is essentially Google Earth that Google acquired. This, uh, this guy has been around working with GPS location data for the better part of 15 years, you know, uh, at least 10 years actively you know, within that co- company structure. And so this was not a one-hit wonder overnight success. It, it was, I, can, I believe, a convergence of the right things at the right time. And this is what I, I spoke to Mike about last week in the show, and I talked to a lot of people about I'm going out and doing a lot of empirical studies on this. I'm looking at behavior of individuals. And there's something that I've learned about this that, unfortunately, I'm looking for it because it's qualifying a theory. I try to be very neutral to this. But, you know, when I test gravity after throwing a ball out a window enough times, you know gravity's there. And when you actually go empirically to study it, you kind of, unfortunately, get a little counter bias. But here's what I've noticed. And this is why I think the long answer to why it's not just a fad in, in a sense, uh, this idea. People are sick and tired of being cooped up in their home. And this is, again, a big problem for the, the directional that most of Silicon Valley was in. Most of Silicon Valley was in this mindset that we're going to sit on our couch and everything's going to be delivered to us. We don't want to ever get out. We don't like intermixing with the world. We don't like going to retail stores. We don't like shopping the old-fashioned way. And then all of a sudden, something like this happens, and the reset switch, the card table, uh, the entire infrastructure is turned on ear. And what are people saying? Hey, not only do I like getting out of my house, I want to. In fact, I'm meeting more people I, I've, in my studies. I mean, uh, we, we discussed this just uh, pre-show when I was telling yeah. you, you know, how I'm get, going out and going to a farmer's market and, you know, the organic vegetable farming and so forth. So, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. People want to disconnect. Maybe not just disconnect, but at least get out of the house, you know? Yes. And, and, and I'm, seeing, I'm seeing this as a, as a mega trend. And it's going to inform a lot of what we wind up doing moving forward and what becomes successful. What they really, my belief is, what they really touched upon with uh, Pokemon Go is this, you know, the pendulum swings so far one way. And I, I don't even remember the, the the movie Wally, where everybody basically, you know, was sitting around in wheelchairs and eating and eating and they were self-absorbed. I think the pendulum is swinging back and especially younger folks are saying, wow, I kind of like this. This is like 
this is like school without the pressure. This is what, you know, Faisal, you and I did growing up. I mean, we all interacted with our peer groups outside of school. We hung out at parks. Yeah, I remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and so there's an entire generation that's never experienced this before. And it's not only that. When I did the research, and I'm just going to continue it's to do this. It's called socializing without the network, right? That's right. And so I walked up and I started talking to a lot of people. And I asked, I don't want to go into the exact questions because there's a lot of proprietariness. So what I'm doing in this uh, study. But I asked some questions that are related to what were you doing last month at this time? Uh, why do you like this? And why is this more than a game is essentially one of the uh, ultimate groups of questions I wind up asking. And one question is leading and another one is leading in the other direction that it's just a game. And I get interesting responses. What, What a lot of older and younger people are telling me is I've never felt so connected with other people before. I love it. You know, you know I, I, I remember talking to one uh, young lady. She was uh, 19 years old. And she said, in my entire life, I've never been around so many people. She goes, this is so much fun. She goes, I, I've met so many new people. People are driving from other towns. And she goes, look at all the new people I met. And she was standing behind 10 people, all about their same age, people she's never seen before. And they're laughing and having a good time. They stayed at that park for nine hours. Nine hours. It's like the 4th of July, you know, like the 4th of July, you go out, plus it's got the icebreaker built in, you know? Exactly. The commonality of saying, hey, how many pokes did you get today, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm telling you this, that will never get old. As long as human beings exist, and no matter how elitist as technologists we want to become, no matter how insulated, and most of us are nerds in technology, so we believe everybody thinks like us, that we're socially uh, you know, retarded uh, and, and it's unacceptable to want to be in public and all that. I mean, that's, that was me for most of my life, right? So, you know, what you find out is that actually most of the world don't want to live that way. They actually want to interact with people. They actually want to be able to have conversations. And you're, you're seeing this starting to happen. Now, yes, it, true, it is conversations around a game. But it extends beyond the game very quickly. Uh, it extends into the very first subject, most of the cohort uh, below the age of 25. The very next subject they wind up talking about is uh, music. They wind up sharing songs. So immediately what you notice in a, in a Poke, Pokemon uh, Go environment like this at a Poke uh, Gym uh, or Poke Stop is music is playing. And people are sharing all different forms of music and they're kind of getting into it. It's very much like, you know, I've been on Warp Tour for pretty much 19 years and it's pretty much that feeling like being at a festival. People are sharing music, different ideas. There's never any negativity in the air. I mean, you see people of all cultures, all backgrounds, and they're all kind of sharing things. You actually see musicians showing up, playing their little acoustic guitar. There's a rap group at this park that was just an unwired rap group. They were using just beatbox, uh, you know, all this different kind of thing. And they were incredible. And we had all sorts of people sitting there getting into it while they're playing the game. And so... What you wind up seeing is that people have been craving this, and I've been saying it for a very long time. We crave what I call theatrical experiences. These are experiences that we we invite ourselves into, and we want to be seen and we want to see. We want to interact. It's why we go out to dinner. It's why we go out to that coffee shop, why we go out to that bar, why we even physically go shopping, and why the psychodemographic breaks down initially into females, right? A lot of people say females like to go shopping. Well, some of it is because of the social camaraderie. 
It's the bonding process where groups of females can get together and talk and hang out. They need a reason for it. And then guys need a reason to get together. And that is hopefully to meet other uh, girls and maybe other guys, if you're not thing, whatever. But, you know, you have this bonding process that, that winds up happening. That has been stunted for the better part of the last eight years. And uh, we've reached the, I think, the maximum of that. So getting back to the long answer to the question is, will this sustain? Within Pokemon Go, probably not. If, if you played Pokemon Go when you're 16, I promise you, you probably aren't going to want to play it when you're 19 or 20. If you were on Facebook when you were 16, when you're 20, you're probably on Snapchat. And when your mom and dad get on Snapchat, you're going to go on to something else. This is just the way it is. And uh, the music you listen to when you're a a late teen is not going to be the music you listen to when you're 25. And definitely not the music you listen to when you're 35. So everything within our culture has ebbs and flows. Everything has cycles. But what I'm thinking is going to happen is we've trained all of us that there's a different way to interact with our devices. We currently are calling it augmented reality. I think it's a little bit deeper than that. It's, it's actually physical socialization is really the deeper aspect of all this. And uh, it's very rare, even in smaller towns, to see just one single person playing the game. You, you, you'll see people, maybe one starts out, then another one hangs out, and then it becomes a horde of people. And then you go down Main Street, and there's 20 or 30 people in, in pretty much a line, and they feel connected. And ultimately, no matter where their backgrounds are, they wind up talking to each other. And even if they're on opposing, you know, within Pokemon Go, there are three teams, which is brilliant. It's, I'm, I'm so grateful it's not two teams. Uh, and it's not four teams. It's, a, it's not binary. It's three teams. And, um, you know, Team Mystic is obviously larger, and I can go into a lot of reasons why Team Mystic is so big. Uh, and I, I go into my booklet about why, as a merchant, supporting Team Mystic is probably a good business idea uh, because of the statistics. But anyway, even when they're battling over taking over a gym, right, because what the whole thing about a Pokemon gym is gets what team gets to battle to take it over. They are having an incredibly good time. They're looking over each other's shoulders. There's um, not even high school sports rivalry. It's more just like, you know, just fun. I, 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 here's what really blew my mind. I watched a couple uh, about a, oh, two weeks ago, I guess, get together at this park uh, that I went to. And they, I, I, met, I was right there when they met. They were rival, rival teams trying to take over a, a Pokemon gym. Where are they now? I just saw them uh, yesterday at the park. They're now dating. All right. They're from two different towns. I'm a relatively rural area out here in Southern California from two different towns. And they met because of this game. And they're uh, 19 and 20 years old. And they're both still on rival teams. But you could tell that they've already been on a few dates. And I said, hey, you guys still fighting? Yeah, but we're fighting as boyfriend and girlfriend. And and I'll. So, and I can tell you, there's marriages already that uh, that have uh, in in the works. I mean, some of this might sound ridiculous to people. A business offer. I mean, all kinds of things. Uh, and I love the makeshift entrepreneurialism. Right? Uh, there are unfortunately pirated T-shirts that are being sold at a lot of these uh, places. People this getting their T-shirt printers and you know stealing the characters and putting them on shirts and uh, you know all kinds of unapproved activity. But 
you know, yeah, that's a bad thing. But on on the other side, it shows on demand in in situation uh, entrepreneurialism, and I absolutely love it. You know, I love seeing this. Let me ask the the Brian Romley, who's famous for empirical praxis. In your observation, what where do you see it going? I mean, beyond the game, how can two questions come to mind? Number one is, how can others, uh, or rather, who else will come into play? You know. Uh, Pokemon clones or Pokemon-like applications. Obviously, this is version, I don't know, 5.0, what have you. Yeah. Um, and how do you see Pokemon keeping that uh, pressure up, you know, keeping raising the bar and still being in the game? Well, this is going to be the challenge of any company's existence, right? As far as I'm concerned, the real hidden agenda within Pokemon Go is probably not the conspiracies that most people are saying. The real hidden agenda is, is it's the largest advertising network ever created overnight it, it, it was stealth it, it's a stealth advertising network and we're going to start seeing yeah, so how my that friend works. calls it the google ads on in augmented reality absolutely it, it's, do, it's doing what google ads did for the web yes and it's doing it in a, in a very powerful way and it's got people with their mouth gaped open i mean there are companies tangentially related to this industry that that are unicorn invested companies that overnight their entire thesis has been evaporated on how people are going to get into the real physical space. Loyalty systems are going to be turned on their ears. Uh, advertising systems are going to be turned on its ears. And ultimately, payments. I've been asserting that at some point in time, Pokemon Go is going to be involved in retail payments. And a lot of people think I'm crazy about this. And uh, call me crazy about all of my other predictions and look at what happened. And uh, that will have an immediate impact on some of our young startups and payments right now. Uh, I don't think they're ready for I it. I just checked, by the way, you know, before I, we had this thing. It was yesterday I was checking if this company, you know, had any money transmitter licenses either here in the United States or in Europe or anywhere else. Nothing so far. Nothing so far. But, but I tell you, the quickest way to do that is to acquire or merge with a company that does. That's the best thing well, I can you know, say sec right now. Second Life has <laughs> a Second Life, which is, you know, so a company that everyone knows. Yeah, of course. Has acquired has acquired money transmitter licenses. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and um, you know, Second Life obviously is what people point to when they see how something gets doomed. You know, there was an opportunity to make Second Life something much bigger than what it actually became and you know, 2020 hindsight it's easy to say. Um you know, Niantic uh, Labs is is going to have to look at this from the point of view of there is only so much time to get things done. They not only have to work on the game, they have to work on building that social network platform as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Possible. A lot of people want to fantasize that they're going to just use Facebook or use Twitter as a platform. Certainly, I can tell you, both companies are aggressively trying to be that platform. It ain't going to happen. The company is going to wind up buying or building uh, because they recognize that it's going to be in an immensely powerful system, much to the chagrin to the people that have been uh, you know, bypassed. Let's look, at, let's look at Twitter, for example. How many years did it take Twitter to get its daily active users, right? In a better part of a decade. It took... It took Pokemon Go a space of two weeks to uh, double its size of what Twitter is getting in this incredibly and, and, bizarre and, and, world that we and, live in in politics. And, and, and small and small market, uh, mind you. It's a very, very small, what, 16, 18 countries or something like that? That's right. That's right. And it's going to continue on. So um, I'm going to say that 
we're going to see elements of this in many apps, elements that what we've discovered, some are going to be non-obvious. And I think it's, 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 uh, it's going to be interesting what Yelp does. It's going to be interesting what Foursquare does. We've got to remember Foursquare spent the better part of 10 years trying to do what this company did in two weeks, right? Uh, you know, and, and now I'm not putting down Foursquare. I'm not putting down uh, Yelp or anything. Um, already there is entrepreneurs that are pretty much in stealth mode that I've been talking to that have made overlays to uh, Pokemon Maps that are related to things that Foursquare and Yelp do. And I have a feeling that in the space of a few months, they can bypass the number of daily active users of both platforms combined if they do it well. And they could either be acquired or live uh, in harmony with what um, uh, the people at um, Neanic Labs wind up doing. You know, so. Do you think we'll see a, a like a review kind of a thing, like a TripAdvisor or a absolutely Yelp kind of a service? And that's kind of what I'm talking about. I don't want to give too much away, but I, I know some brilliant individuals who contacted me. I think within about two days, I started putting out that this was there, and they said, "You know, I've been following your stuff. You know, you help motivate motivate our team. Uh, can you speak to us?" And I spoke to them on a on a Sunday um, Sunday morning. Uh, actually, read it. We didn't have a show that week. Yeah, and and and. It was really interesting because they got it so much quicker than most people. And they said, you know, this is what's going to happen. It's an advertising network. There's going to be a need for an overlay. We, we predict it's going to be uh, just they were right on the money. So they're light years ahead. And guess what? They don't want any VC funding. So that any VCs listening to me saying, I I've never heard of that company, you probably won't. They self-funded. They're owning 98% of the company. The rest is friends and family. And I think they're going to do exceedingly well. My personal feeling is I think they're going to be acquired very quickly. Uh, I, you I, and you don't want to give the name out? I can't. I can't. I, I can only say what – I got permission to talk about the basis of what they do. I got to tell you in some ways I'm being misleading because there's a much deeper re reaction of what they're doing. And there's another company that's doing something similar uh, and not even competing. I actually – cross-pollinated the two. I said, listen, don't be enemies. You guys are actually doing different things. So I'm hoping that they continue their dialogues. Um, so, yes, I believe we're going to see all sorts of entrepreneurialism you know, strike up around this. But I think it's going to inform the future directional of all the things that we do inside of phones and apps. It's also going to change our mindset that maybe we don't want everything delivered to us. Maybe we don't want to just sit on our couch and have it dropped on our doorstep. And maybe this whole idea... Oh, you don't say, Brian. Yes. And, 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 and so the companies that figure this out are going to be... Uh, I won't say, say uber-sized. You mean wear our sneakers, go out in the physical world and yeah. get stuff? Seriously? That's right. That's right. And, 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 and the, what's really interesting is I think for the first time... Um, some of the people I've been talking to for really 10 years in the Silicon Valley are finally getting what I'm saying. They, again, uh, you look like you're out of touch until all of a sudden the world starts giving you enough uh, confirmations. And I had these calls with people in the Silicon Valley that I, they know I've had these conversations. I've, I've been trying. I've been begging them to move in this directional for a long time. And Brian, we can't get people to invest in us if we do that. You know, everything's about delivery. Everything's about the gig economy. And I go, yes, but it's going to invert. It's going to invert. Look at the food delivery companies we have in the United States. There's too many. 
And they say, well, that's just uh, you know, a shaking out process. No, it is a misunderstanding of human nature. People don't want always to be eating in their home. They are going to reach a level of toxicity and they're going to say, enough's enough. I, I, I want something else. And we're starting to see that. And I believe that when we look back at this epoch over this next year ahead, we're going to say, wow, this is where the whole idea of the gig economy inverted in a way that nobody could possibly predict. I'm not saying Uber's going away, and I'm not saying that um, all these other companies that are involved in delivery Postmates, I'm just saying what they do is going to change, ultimately, because behaviors are going to change. And I think that we're going to see communities. I'll tell you already, There's I've talked to 12 mayors last week uh, of you know, smaller size communities who've gotten my book. And I said, what could my town do? And I said, you know, let's look at your park. I looked at the park on the ingress map. And I said, you have like 25 poke gyms here. I go, you have people coming to this park that have never been to the park before. This, what does that park represent to you, Mr. Mayor? And I'm doing this sort of walking down the road with the mayors, you know, and, uh, and, and this one mayor, he got really quiet. He said, you know, this is the signature mark of our town. And there's people from around the country, you know, literally there are some people who are traveling around the state and even the country to go, try to go to all these different places. It's, it's, it's insane what's going on this summer. We can go into that some other show, but Pokemon tourism is a big thing. And so I, I caught him in that. I said, so what are you doing to encourage this? And he said, well, we have uh, this and that. I go, do you, are you allowing street vendors in the park. He goes, no, that's that's uh, against our provision. I go, change it right now. Uh, call this a, an event and change it for at least a month. Get these vendors in the park. Uh, it's like it, Mr. Mayor meeting SimCity and Civilization at the same time. It, right? It's exactly it. So this weekend, I, I've gotten an update from one of his staff members. They allowed uh, 29 lunch trucks in their park and over 150 different vendors to set up. They have to conform to whatever the codes were for public events in the parks. They have to be, obviously, health uh, permits. They have to pay for uh, cleanup. They have to pay for all these different things. And the information I have is that if you took the last 10 Fourth of Julys that they had in the park combined, it still hasn't equaled the number of people or the amount of commerce that took place since they did this, it's on. They have radio stations, four radio stations simulcasting from the park. Uh, they have band concerts. Uh, they have jugglers. They have uh, ventriloquists. They have uh, you know all kinds of different balloon makers. It is literally like a festival environment. And I have to sort of interject here. And when's it all end? A, well, well, let's say this is a spike. Yeah. So it it you know the the whole thing is. I wouldn't say it's over, but, you know, okay, I've been there, done that, now what? You know, fast forward a couple of weeks, you know, summer is gone, fall has come in, maybe, you know, winter school. is setting in, it's, it's, it's yeah. you know, oh, school, well, yeah, school also, but yeah. then, you know, what happens then? It's very interesting. I think there's going to be uh, a drop as soon as most of the schools start, uh, you know, grade schools and high schools and colleges, uh, universities start going into session. Uh, but I think there will be, if schools are wise, there will be ways for schools to capitalize on the interest of this while they're in schools. The same thing I've said to museums. 
The museum is even tangentially related to science. They should be talking about the science behind all of this. If they're tangentially, I mean, museums make sense. I mean, I get it, but you know, yeah. uh, a university saying, "Hey, come on, classical mechanics, you know, come over here, take our class, and we'll give you some Pokemon's to catch." But but even but an even greater threat is winter. Oh, winter is the biggest threat, and and this is going to be interesting because I believe the game needs to evolve in the winter. And I, I'm not going to give them all of my advice because maybe that one day they'll come up and say, hey, Brian. But uh, I, I would say this, that you've identified one of the largest uh, Achilles heel to this and that throughout the northern hemisphere, uh, you're going to see a change in weather patterns, which will be uh, antithetical to people wanting to run around uh, in the park in shorts. Right. And it's going to be cold and windy and, and snow and rain. And so. What happens then? I think the game can morph into a lot of different things. Now, we have to also understand that a lot of malls are poke stops and gyms, so there's possibilities there. Um, I think there are other ways that you can slightly modify the game to make it more fun. Um, and The game uh, comes indoors? <laughs> yes, it, but but in a way that I, you know, I, I don't want to give too much away, a way that I think honors the game and honors the, soci, uh, the social... Um, gaming aspect of it the physical social gaming aspect of it meaning that maybe you need to have more people around you for the game to be more meaningful i think if i'll give you this i think that the one takeaway that this game should tell any game maker is that you should reward when people coagulate together at one physical space you should reward just that behavior and i think the game company or the social media company that rewards groups of people coagulating together for no other purpose other than to get together and maybe play a game, then you may have found the incredibly, incredibly strong mixture that uh, drives people into this gaming. And now this is going to be a unique concept for a lot of people, uh, but I am nobody's ever done this. I've studied it intently. Uh, and there's more to it, and I'm not going to give away those elements. Uh, that's just one element. Let me ask you something that what are the CEOs or the SEVPs of the various internet firms like Google or Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn thinking, how can we, what's their partnership opportunity with Pokemon? What's their collaboration opportunity with Pokemon, if at all? Well, that's an interesting thing. It, a lot of these things seem to, you know, telegraph a um, non-congruency, you know, it's like, how can you tangentially get LinkedIn involved in all this? And, you know, at what level? You know, here's what I can say. I can say that no matter what business you're in, get a PhD in what's going on right now. Get a PhD in reality. Look at it. Sit down. Study it. Study it like you've never studied anything before because you're seeing in real time Stuff taking place that few experts understand, and there are no experts. I'm a student of this, by the way. I'm a student of everything, and I'm a student of this, and I've studied it intently. A lot of people are saying, well, why'd you drop all your other things? I haven't dropped anything. There's, there's, three, there's three groups of eight in our life. I call it the three eights. Eight hours sleeping, eight hours, quote-unquote, working, eight hours, quote-unquote, free time. What you do with those three eights, I don't ever interrupt my eight hours of sleep because that is critical for your existence. Uh, anybody who says they really need less is probably that's what they're doing in those other hours that are probably causing the, the those eights not to work properly. But yeah, that's another conversation. But within those eight extra hours, let's call it your flex time, what you do with that, what you can do 
is thousands of hours can be dedicated to doing things that you otherwise would have been wasting. And what I mean by wasting is your own empirical judgment ex post facto. I would say I don't have a I don't have any right to judge whether you watching, you know, uh, you know, uh, a binge session of TV is making you a better human being to yourself. I, I don't care about the philosophical better to the world. I'm talking about yourself. Um, I'll let you do that 10 years from now. I'll let you say whether or not, um, you know, uh, one particular, uh, uh, you know, TV series really made you a better person. But I can tell you this. People are starting to see this and they take a step back and say, what can I do within those eight hours? What if I took, all right, I'm not going to cheat myself. People think it's cheating. It's just like eating healthy or whatever. And what if I take an hour out of each day, one hour, and I do a study? Like, all right, today I'm saying Pokemon Go. It could be anything. I tell people, learn a code. Take one hour, one hour, go on Udami, go on YouTube, learn a code right now. I can show you five different places to do it. And, and, and just do it, and not because you're going to be a programmer. Do it because uh, you should be studying history. You should be studying philosophy. You should be studying uh, your, your, your uh, physical geography around you. You should be walking it. I mean, don't look now, but you're talking about what we were talking pre-show. This is exactly what we were discussing as far as, you know, getting out of the comfort zone, the empirical praxis, not disturbing the equation of the system but observing it and taking walking away with your viewpoints and uh which is something what you know many people don't do i mean the example uh, of startups where we you know uh, which we sort of talked about is startups you know the founder you know will come and say well listen i have an idea so stop you have an idea is the idea a problem first of all because if it isn't a problem then not much to for majority of the cases, there's not much to do. So they say, yeah, it's a problem. Uh, I think it's a problem. And stop right here again. Uh, has the problem been validated by others? Have you gone out to the real world? Have you talked to maybe 500 people or 1,000 people? Have they said, have they validated that this is indeed a problem? And the next step is, you know, the solution. Same thing with that. Is the solution, has the solution been validated by a small group? Uh, in many cases, I've seen, and I think you've also seen the same thing. You know, it's not a problem to start with. It's a solution. Exactly. It, it, it's it's just a, it's an idea that really the, maybe it's too early or beyond its time or it's frivolous. In or even over engineered, over engineered to the point uh, where we think it's a. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to make it simple. You know, I'm going to make it drop dead simple. Well, that's over engineering. See, it's, it's a problem for most people because if you don't have enough empirical paraxis, it's hard to take the relativity of what over-engineering really looks like. And, and this, this sounds very counterintuitive. I, I'm very much into minimalism. I mean, you look at my, my apps out there, my logo. I, I, I'm a big subscriber of a of, of very minimal design. Uh, but over-engineering to simplicity actually creates complexity and confusion in the mind. Uh, let's call it cognitive load. Now, Faisal, you, you, you actually gave me goosebumps. Pre-show, you, you told me this, uh, this analogy and this, uh, this uh, metaphorical story, and you, you got to lay that out on us. 
the story starts with, you know, I, I don't know if it's a family from the 60s or the 70s, but this family goes out and buys a brand new sedan. I think it's from Chrysler or Ford or one of those guys. And this family does something, you know, they go out once a week and they have a strawberry ice cream and once a week they do vanilla. And over the course of a couple of weeks, the owner of this new car, absolutely new car, discovers that when they get vanilla, the car won't start. And when they get strawberry, the car starts. So he writes up to the company, you know, the company chuckles and, you know, nonetheless to send an engineer. And again, empirical praxis coming over here, the engineer decides not to become part of the system, but observes. And he observes the same thing. You know, the day they get vanilla, the car won't start. But the day they get, you know, strawberry, the car starts. And, you know, they can't figure it out. Anyways, they do this for a couple of more weeks and they get more people and, you know, extended stays, etc. Uh, then the engineer does one thing which is slightly out of the ordinary. He says, you know, maybe we have to look beyond the car. Maybe it's where the car is parked. Maybe there's an extra energy field or something. Maybe maybe there's something <laughs> happening. You know, I mean, you know, he says it, it's time to look beyond the car. And after a couple of weeks, he solves the problem. And the way he solves the problem is he looks at how the person was behaving who was driving the car. The same routine. Turns out the vanilla is sold in the front of the store from where they're buying. That doesn't give the car enough of a time to cool down, which creates a vapor in the fuel system. And that's why the car won't start. So wow. it is a problem with the car. But the strawberry is sold towards the back of the store. So by the time the guy goes at the back, gets the strawberry out, comes back in the front, pays for it, and gets back in the car, the car has cooled down to such an extent that the vapor has gone and the car will start. So it's a classical case of here you're looking at a car, but the behavior is being timed by how you purchase your vanilla or strawberry ice cream in a store. So I just thought that was a fantastic example of wow. how... You know, you go out in the field, look at it, and you will come across things that you have, could not possibly fathom. I mean, no, no amount of engineering would have told GM the same thing, you know? Faisal, this is, this is exactly, you know, most things are designed in an ivory tower, you know? Uh, and and it, it, it's like this. I call it the broken clock theory. And now a broken clock you know, can be highly successful, really successful two times a day. And if it's successful enough, we believe that that's the, that's the uh, arc of success right there. And a lot of people get angry when I use this because the success of a lot of companies, and you know, one of my studies is within payments, could be so much grander if they would get out of the ivory tower. You know, the ivory tower is saying, I know better than you do. I have a group of really sharp minds. You do. Yeah, you hired some really brilliant people. But, Bra but again, brilliant you, people you know, aren't what solve. That's right. You know, it, behavior, it, it, right? I mean, we talked about it. Like, you know, uh, the example you gave, and we're not going to name, name the company, but, you know, people who decided not to go and talk to their grandmother and grandfather as to how they paid. Uh, that exactly. That example, it was a classical example, you know. They lose for they, the full. They lost hundreds of millions of dollars investing in, into an idea that was supposed to be universal. It sounded so simple. Everybody told me it was drop-dead simple. That's all I heard for two years. But see, years. that was the problem. They did not divorce themselves from the original idea. They did not become a neutral party and then go observe. Uh, they did not tap into life experiences. They were just very, for lack of a word, you know, arrogant, if you will. They were very I, hurried. 
You yeah, know? I, I would say arrogance because the problem within the Silicon Valley is money draws arrogance. And uh, a lot of people believe that the epitome of the ultimate entrepreneur is this arrogant individual. And I can tell you that that is absolutely not the case. And I'm including people like Elon Musk that might come off like this. When you actually are around these people and you really see how they conduct them their lives, they're the most malleable and flexible individuals because they're fast to respond to changes around them. And that is the opposite of arrogance. Uh, what they are is they are assertive to a vision. And to people who are not used to the nuances between an assertive vision of where they want to go versus the arrogance that I know better than you, Steve Jobs is a classic example. What an arrogant son of a bitch. No, he was assertive to a vision. His vision was absolutely right 100% on target. You want to know something? Half the time he was wrong on how to get there. He was quick to adopt ideas that he was against after they were proven that they were right. And he was so quick to adopt them. People thought that he was wishy-washy. He changed his mind too often, that he owned other people's ideas. What he did is his ultimate mission was to get to an ends. His ends was a map point in his mind, uh, you know, and uh, maybe in a certain engineering design, a certain style. For example, the, the idea that we have these self-contained uh, computers and devices without thousands of different modifications available to him. That was a Steve Jobs idea. It's, it, it's still being homogenized in a public mind, but most people don't want to add a lot of things to their devices and computers. In fact, it becomes more and more of a problem when, uh, uh, for example, a smartphone drops and a battery flies out. You know, uh, the reason, that's one of the reasons why the battery is so tightened into an iOS device is that uh, inertia, uh, laws of inertia are going to say that the battery is going to probably fly out if it hits the ground hard enough. It's just the way these things are going to be designed. And so, and that's not the only reason, by the way, is a, th a thousand different reasons. But in that mission to lock down a device, Steve was called, you know, being an arrogant SOB. What he did, it was actually Empirical paraxis. He actually went out and did research. He actually looked at the real world and how people interact with things and what they really do. Turns out when they decided to pull the uh, the CD-ROM from uh, the computer, uh, the first yeah, laptop. Every, I mean, everyone threw a fit. I they, threw a fit. Everyone I threw a, threw a fit. I go, what? This guy's crazy now. He saw a vision that the network speed was going to get so fast and the storage systems are going to get so large, and the streaming capability that you don't when even want the, to own When it. was the last time you touched the CD, Brian? Let's I don't even remember. I mean, it's maybe three years. I, somebody actually, no, somebody sent me something that was archival, and it was on a CD. It was actually uh, from the uh, mid 1990s, and I had to go to an old computer to to access it. But what I did, what did I do with it? I put it on a thumb drive, and I remember when I thought. The, the storage capacity of a CD or a DVD was so large that it would never go away. The thumb drive, uh, what was the thumb drive? I think it was 120 gigabytes. I mean, what was the largest? Uh, 60? Uh, uh, 700 megabytes. 700 megabytes, right? So, I mean, like, you know, today I, <laughs> it's, it's, I, have a, I have a PS3, uh, you know, machine, a PS4, yeah. sorry. Uh, that's the only thing in my house that can actually take a CD in. I don't have a, uh, anything to put a CD in. Well, see, I'm old school. I actually have a beta and VHS player I'm keeping around, uh, boxed up, well, no, because not, I know... We're not, we're, not, we're not going there. We're not talking no, about... Don't, don't, go, don't go that far. No, no, but all right. But, not but, the audio you, file route, you know? Yeah, you but know... The, but, the, but the data route. 
it, it does pose a problem, a, a little sub to this is, what is the universal format? Where should it be held? One day we got to do a show on that because you and I are building pictures of our family and stuff like that. I think that in 10 years, most of my kids won't, my kids won't be able to access most of my pictures because it's going to constantly change where I keep them. Right. I used to put all of my pictures archivally. Uh, so they wouldn't get erased on uh, uh, CD uh, ROMs and DVD drive, uh, DVD uh, uh, discs. And now I'm looking at it, I'm going, holy crap, I'm going to have to try to find a way to take them all off of this and put them somewhere else. Now, one would say in the cloud, but even that's going to morph into something else. We're going to have a problem with all this. But anyway, getting back to the arrogance attribute, when there's so much money and so much heady times of uh, of people – being perceived as being successful because people were willing to put money behind them. Uh, I think we're now seeing a world where empirical praxis is going to start taking a better hold. Why? Because it actually shows you how you can earn income in a, in a business. Wow. I mean, a, a new thought because a lot of, a lot of VCs were even saying, Oh, I don't care how you make money. No, no, no. This grow big fast and we'll deal with the money later. We're monetized later. Oh, we don't need salespeople. Uh, we'll, we'll deal with selling later. All of these ideas are now coming home to roost and we haven't even begun to see the undoing. So when you, when you design any product or any idea in an ivory tower and you thought it was successful, and it might be successful by a lot of matrix. When you finally go and do the empirical praxis, and sometimes it's a little too late, companies are already in its twilight years, you start saying, wow, we left a lot of, a lot of meat on the, uh, on the bone. We left a lot of food on the table, whatever analogy you want to use. And that's why it's always been my mission whenever I talk to a young company. It's like you know this, and Faisal, you've been saying this, is you need to literally become your customer. And you need to live in their world. You need to be like them and it will forever change you. And you may become very combative to the engineers that haven't taken this journey. I, I tell engineers to do it because when they do it, their minds are blown. But, they realize know, how they were over-engineered. Very few people can actually wear that hat. You know, it's hard. Divor it's... Divorce themselves from the company, become the customer, start seeing the patterns, not become impatient. You know, that, that eureka moment takes time to come. You know, when it, you really it, say, you know, yeah, it could take years. I got it, you know. It yeah. could take years. In my life, it, it took a dec decade for me to truly understand what was really going on with small and medium merchants. <clears throat> I mean, today I talk about it like it's the back of my hand because I understand their practical and pragmatic philosophy, but it took me 10 years of arrogantly fighting it. It's like, these people are dumb. I literally would call them dumb when I was really young. I, I, I apologize to the universe for this, but I go, they don't even know what they're doing, you know? And, and then you wake up and you say, I'm the one that's dumb because they are the textbook example of success. And I'm telling them they need to do this to be successful because that's what the big guys do. And that's it. Whenever you see any company that's selling to another business, uh, you do what the big companies are doing. Look at how they're using big data or look at how they're using POS systems. Look how they're using payments. You already know that you failed because if, if, if that in fact would help that small business, you know something, they would do it already. Want to know one of my proofs? Who was the fastest to respond to Pokemon phenomenon? The fastest businesses to respond to Pokemon were on the ground, small, 
one, two, three person businesses. They said, screw it. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to capitalize on this. That is, and a lot of people think that's crash commercialism. It's dumb. It's, they don't have a clear mission statement. What? Uh, they what don't, they it, don't need it. I mean, a, uh, you know, uh, a, a food cart operator does not need a mission statement. You want to know what uh, a mission statement should be? It should be the roll of paper hanging next to the toilet in the restrooms at the company. That's what your mission statement should be. And, and you know, I, I don't normally go this far off the edge about this, but this idea, this insane idea. I've, I've heard companies that have a 100-year mission statement or a 1,000-year mission oh, statement. That's, or That's just bullshit. You, mean, you know it and I know it. Yeah, or a code. You know, we're going to have this code to operate by. You want to know what the code is? The code is a company exists. A company exists to make money. And let's deal with that. That's capitalism. A company can make money through a number of different mechanisms. And that's true. You can make money by doing good things and you can make money by doing bad things. And, And history will judge what those good or bad things are. You know something? There are some companies right now getting behind causes that seem like they're good things today. And they seem like they're doing things out of their hearts today. And then 10, 20, 30 years from now, they might realize that it wasn't such a good thing, that it was just as divisive as the things that they thought that was anti-divisive. So what I'm saying is mission statements, philosophies, uh, you know, what drives companies. Yes, a founder will say, I don't want to be a part of an organization that does X, Y, or Z. Absolutely. You can do that. And you can only do it up until the point you become... Uh, a company that takes in investors. And then you have a board of directors. And then you become a public company. Once you become a public company, some of these founding principles uh, are antithetical to making profits. And that's just a reality. And that's something we have to get used to. And you and I, Faisal, have had you know, pre-shows, not just today, but many times. We talk about this stuff. Uh, yeah. It is a struggle of human beings. Unfortunately, we can't talk about it on air. No. But, you know, no, no. one of these days, we just might do a bleeped version of the pre-show, you know, where we take some names out and we take some things out. But uh, just to give you guys an understanding that this recorded show maybe 50 minutes or 60 minutes our pre-shows can literally be as long as two hours you know just before the show so so we spend a lot of time but quick questions we only have a few minutes left do you see the likes of paypal or the likes of starbucks getting involved in the pokemon space Absolutely. To some degree, I think uh, Starbucks most definitely is already involved. Uh, they're, they're in heavy negotiations. I'm not speaking out of class. Basically, every major consumer company, uh, retail company is in negotiations or trying to get negotiations with, uh, so, with so them. So they can, can a company sponsor these Pokemon characters so that they show up at their locations? Now, uh, Faisal, that is a brilliant idea. Uh, right now, the... I mean, right, right now, I understand it's a lure, right? And the right now, are the lures sort of- are, are kind of a sponsorship. It's not an official one. Uh, and they attract uh, certain Pokemon characters. And the next level is uh, they're going to allow you to sponsor a Pokestop. But that's not a character. <clears throat> My belief, and you brought this up, it's absolutely brilliant. And I've heard it a couple of times, but not so articulated the way you did pre-show, is that sponsoring an entire character transcends physical retail space and it can show up in other places. In fact, even at your competitor, even at your competitor. There, so there, there is a lot of dimensionality to this. Now, I got to ask you, first off, what's your impression of how, let's use the empirical paraxis element of this. What are you seeing around your part of the world? What are you seeing what people are doing? 
Well, I mean, you know, for me, this uh, I, I, I'm so fascinated by this whole Pokemon. I, I'm a, I'm a very big uh, SL player, right? Second Life player. I love Second Life. Uh, I and you know, it's a it's a closed group. I've been playing it for about ten years now. Um, this thing is just just blown my mind because what it can do the potential it has you know of being able to for example one of the things i was i was talking to my son about and you know he's just crazy about pokemon you know he was telling me that you know they could actually have this place where they could where you would have to go into a starbucks to recharge not just recharge your battery recharge your character in the virtual space so if you stay over there and you order something and you order that coupon into the into your app or whatever you you get a recharge or you get a hint or you get a clue or you get an added map that, that no one else had who didn't go into that retail location and i was like shoot i didn't think of that before you know so you've been running all day you know fine your battery's 80 percent full doesn't matter but your pokemon character or whatever it is that you are in that virtual reality space maybe tired uh you go into a mcdonald's you order a burger or what have you and you stay there for 10 minutes that pokemon character within the app is now getting recharged uh and all this is happening because that recharge that that virtual recharge is being paid by the establishment faisal look at the brilliance your son had there this is organic empirical praxis this is a and, individual and, you know, I, and, and that sees it and he's, feels he's, it. he's 14 years old i don't know that's just, I, I don't uh, I you got to be proud of him yeah, you yeah. got to be proud well, of them. that. Is a brilliant well, idea. I was, I was bewildered right. because I didn't. Exp- I, I don't get it. You know, I just don't get it. Uh, you know, call me old school. That's okay. But you know, and that's the way these guys are thinking. You know, but see, all the new things that come in front of us, we always don't get. And the first thing that we know that we do is we fear the new. This is human beings one hundred and one. Anybody who claims that they don't fear the very new is no. I, is I, lying I, I wouldn't to you. say I fear it. In in my line and in your line, I think you know we have to keep an open mind. We have to say, yes. okay, we don't get it. Let's make sense of this. Let's go and get it. You know, let's let's, let's go out. Let's and get go it. out. And let's let's yeah, go out. Exactly. exactly. Again, yeah. you, you, we keep looping back to the empirical praxis. Let's go out and get it. Right. So now, let's go out and, and, and see how people are using it. Let's understand it. Let's understand the modus operandi. The, you know, even if they're doing it for fun and that may not have any commercial sense to it or how it has a physical sense to it, you, know, you need to get out, you need to get dressed, you need to go, you know, burn some calories or what have you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but 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 you know it, it, at least I know that for a fact that you and I are very open about these things. Others may not be. Yeah. So so I got to ask you. you it, it's officially released in your country, right? Uh, last week. No no was no, it? no 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 no. It, it it's not even official. Been, it's not even. Wow. In, in, in Asia, in Africa, in the Middle East, in South oh, America. Oh my gosh. No no no. I mean, imagine if it just goes on in Brazil or it goes on in. Oh yeah. I think China may have been on that list. But I'm not sure though. I know it just came out in Japan. I thought Pakistan got it. So your son's playing it, uh, you know, uh, outside of the official release. So look at look at what it's already doing, right? And look at how it, how it's affecting, how it's impacting, and how it's pulling out the creativity in somebody's mind. I've come across a lot of. I've talked to hundreds of merchants since I uh, I put out the booklet, and they're sending me emails. I uh, last night I, I looked at my un answered emails just on the Pokemon Go. I'm running over 950 I wasn't able to look at just from last night. I mean, you know, night. if this thing goes on, I mean, you know, we, it, 
China hasn't been turned on with it. Russia hasn't been turned on. Mexico mm-hmm. hasn't been turned on. I know. Uh, Philippines, uh, Malaysia, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, India hasn't been turned on. South Africa hasn't been turned on. I'm just going to think what's going to happen then, you know? It's just going to go crazy. So think of WhatsApp, right? Look at how that international footprint on that. Mm-hmm. In theory, in theory, and as all these countries get turned on, it's going to be maybe nine to ten times larger than what WhatsApp was on an international level. Which and took it, a couple of years. I mean, I'm just surprised at how time has short-circuited in this particular event. That, that's a great insight, brilliant insight. So what does that make you feel when you first think of the notion that anything, let's say, divorce it from it being a game, that anything can move this quickly and this radically? It, it actually makes me think what would happen seven years down the line, the next cycle, what happens when a game comes up in a matter of like this, Exactly, a, bil- a billion people are using it. So that, I think, is the, 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 the sort of thing that gives me the goosebumps as a takeaway uh, message from this is if you want to divorce yourself from all of this and just take the, the, the bigger view, which Faisal and I have been doing pre-show, and you kind of look at it and you say, what are we looking at in the future of how we interact with apps, our devices, the physical world, other human beings, what are we learning here? Because in real time, it's happening right here you know, in we, front we of us. We talked about this, Brian. I mean, you know, so a game comes out. Uh, so let's say WhatsApp comes out. It takes five years to build up, seven five years, years to yeah. build up, whatever, right? So you have ample of time in taking your aircraft carrier and turning it around. The turning radius is big. It's slow. A lot of momentum required, a lot of inertia required. A game comes out, it takes less than two weeks, and it just kaboom, you know, like 400 million people are using it. How do you, as an external company that wants to align itself with the game, turn yourself around now so fast when it's not possible to do so? This is exactly... I mean, the that's, the question, that's the question I'm yeah. asking. You know, what is the CEO of PayPal thinking? What is the CEO of Facebook thinking? What is the CEO of Starbucks thinking? How can we align ourselves at Pokemon speed? Not the internet speed, not the Wi-Fi speed, at Pokemon speed. I love that. Speed. I love that. How so we have, a new, we have a new paradigm because it's literally showing us objectively how quickly something really takes hold. And we'll call it Pokemon speed, right? So so, so what is Pokemon speed, right? I mean, you know, we have the, the gigabyte, the megabyte, the, you know, the terabyte, <laughs> the, the pe- f- petabyte. So this is like, you know, megabits per second, gigabits per second. Now we're talking the internet speed. This is the Pokemon speed. Exactly. How do you align yourself with the Pokemon speed? And that has got me stumped. It, 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 exactly. And I think we probably get some some more clarity uh, as the future wears on, but I don't think we're ever going to 100% fully understand any phenomenon like this. We're going to always have a little X factor, a little haziness. But I, I do know this, that there's no doubt that we can all agree that it touched upon a number of issues that were surrounding all elements of humanity, all elements of how humans interact with games, how humans interact with their devices, the physical world. And it, it let's put it, Bluntly, it wasn't planned to be this successful. This was a reskinning of the Ingress game. That it, it literally a was ago, a hail I mary. Mean, you know, seriously, Brian. A month ago, Pokemon was nowhere in our lives. Pokemon was. If someone said the word Pokemon, I thought, oh my god, those silly cards, right? Nostalgia. You know? yeah, yeah, it was nostalgic. I mean, you know, exactly a collectibles item. 
Or Nintendo, a, a game company that was never able to adapt to yeah. the mobile game world. And there's a lot of argument whether or not Nintendo is going to adapt. But, you know, the bottom line is it's their licensing. It's their ability to, to develop these characters and, and uh, perhaps even license another type of game. I, I don't know exactly the level of uh, involvement, but I could tell you this, that uh, even if you just stay within gaming, there better be more involvement uh, in in. Extending you know, I mean, it, 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 it's not proven, but the word Nintendo basically is assumed to mean leave luck to heaven. It, well, yeah, that's... The, the I mean, there, are no, there are no historical records to validate it. This is exactly what, you know, Wikipedia says, but, you know, uh, but seriously, I mean, think about that, leave luck to heaven. And I, and I think these guys found a really great play, and I think now... Uh, there, you know, it, it's just taken the whole ecosystem that was used to the slow change or relatively or change at internet speeds, and now here we have the warp drive, you know, the warp so, nine, which is called Pokemon speeds. So I, I got to ask because uh, I get emails asking that I didn't ask this because from your everybody wants to know your perspective right there in your local area. When they turn this on in your local area, are there any things? Anything different that you think its adoption would be heavier, lighter, or equal to that we've seen in other parts of the world? I, I think people are going to go crazy. You know, I had the view that Snapchat is not a big thing until I saw who else was using it. Because, again, <laughs> get out of the comfort zone, go, go to people, they say, hey, let me look at your phone, and sure enough, Snapchat is there. Then yeah. say, okay, can I, can I access it? Thank you very much. And sure enough, they've been Snapchatting today as well. So it's yeah. not that they only have the app, they're using it. So likewise, I think once the app comes out, it's, it'll be interesting to go out in the field, you know, stop some people in the mall, give them some coupons or something and see what they have, uh, see if the Pokemon thing is, is at play over there or not. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And I, I, wonder, I wonder how it's going to translate in, into different cultures. By the way, uh, just FYI, people have already gone to the U.S. store, the U.S. Apple store, or the U.S. Google Play store, and downloaded Pokemon and playing it. They are playing it out there. But it's just that if you are accessing from a regular Apple store in India or Pakistan or Bangladesh or China, it won't show up. You have to go to the U.S. store or the French store or the U.K. store. Now, is that a hack? Is that a hack? Do you have to use a a VNP? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. You don't have to use a VPN or anything. You just, just, just choose to a different country. That's it. Interesting, interesting. I didn't think it was that easy for the things like this. I thought they really made it, made it tough with uh, IP. Uh, no, no, because uh, no, no, they're not. Uh, because you're not. You don't have to give a card. You don't have to give a credit card or anything. You can have the original true. card. It's just a changing a new company because of the fact that you may actually move to a new country, right? So your your phone may be bought in a different country and maybe default to Brazil. And now you've bought it to India, and now you want to use the Indian thing, but you That's you're right. moving to yeah. the U.S., and you want to use the U.S. store. That's right. I should know that. So so basically, it's already starting. Uh, that mania, is this going to start taking off? Have you noticed some coagulation in the parks and, and, and the malls? Not, is that not, starting? Not, not, not yet. I, don't, I haven't done it yet, but I think in a week or two, I'm going to go out and start observing this even more so. But uh, let me put it this way. It's on my Facebook feed. It's all over my Facebook feed. It is. It is. Is it pro or yeah, against? Well, no, no. It's, it's very much pro. Uh, you okay. know, I mean, grown men, you know, men of my age, right? For all 40 plus. Hey, I caught six uh, today. Is that good? <laughs> no, it's horrible, man. You need to be something in the 50s or the uh, 60s range and, you know, crap. Oh, I love you know? it. 
So, anyways, J- Brian, as always, great talking to you. We'll get this up and we'll take up pick up uh, next week and see where we go from there. Absolutely, Faisal. You have a great weekend. You too, sir. Take care. All have right. a good one. Bye bye. Listen, there's a reason the ultra-wealthy have been investing in fine wine for centuries. Historically stable returns and a lack of volatility make it stand out compared to traditional assets, especially during a downturn. But now you can invest alongside with them with Vint. Vint is an SEC-qualified investment platform that offers shares of the most sought-after wines in the world. So join the thousands of investors diversifying with fine wine and spirits. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.